rock and roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Estel. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi-Leach and Jonathan Getz, as well as our very special guest tonight, Steve Gorman, the host of Steve Gorman Sports on Fox Sports Radio and foxsportsradio.com. You can follow Steve at SGS Fox on Twitter and Instagram. And many of you know Steve as the drummer for the group Trigger Hippie, as well as the Stereophonics. And Steve spent just a couple of years with the Black Crows. Hi, Steve. <laughs> all, so far, all accurate. No oh. doubt about anything you've said. <laughs> Good. Good deal. Well, you know, obviously, you know, I know you guys on your show, Steve, are pretty heavily focused on the NFL right now with the Super Bowl coming up. But um, obviously, we're a baseball-centric show. Are you excited for the upcoming baseball season? Yeah, I'm always excited. I mean, I'm an Orioles fan, so I'm excited more for the Orioles. Uh, You know, I I, I think that um, I I get really excited when, you know, when I start to see things about spring training. It's just like Pavlovian to be like, oh, my gosh. But but as far as, like you said, the radio show is all football and NBA right now, and and, and in fact, on the show generally, it, baseball doesn't get it. It's not a daily thing, even during the season, till till after the All Star game. So, as an Orioles fan, I'm always excited. I'm paying attention to the O's. I don't really dive in to baseball and what's going on in both leagues and who's got, you know, till midway through the season. That's when I really because the the show just dictates a whole different sort of flow. Of course, yeah. Are you optimistic about the O's this year? How do you feel about them going in? Yeah, no, I'm opti- I'm always optimistic. I mean, I, I, you, you have a great manager, and and you got ownership who somehow found their checkbook. I mean, good things can happen. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we're a slam dunk on any means by any means. But you got to understand. I mean, the Orioles have been so far removed from my the years of my like childhood. You know, just in and out greatness. That even having a you know being like two years ago. Uh, you know, getting to the ALCS. I mean, that's going to hold me over for three more years. So, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. They're on the cusp. You know, they've been like the last couple seasons. It's just like I don't know. Something was missing that just they didn't quite get over the finish line. But right, yes, certainly. Um, and then yeah, Chris Davis is is back. So uh, so yeah, you're going to be hitting some home runs. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they don't have the kind of staff. You know, it's funny because I was, uh, and then in the '90s when I lived in Atlanta, I, I took on the Braves. I'd, I'd never even, I don't think I acknowledged that the National League existed until I moved to Atlanta in 1987. And then I got there and I was like, well, I can cheer for this team. They're not in the way of the Orioles at all. It's fine. And, then and my first, my first spring, my first spring in Atlanta was '88. Uh-huh. I think the the the, the Orioles start the, the Braves started like zero and eighteen and the Orioles were zero and twenty two or right. something like that. There was a, yeah. I just remember thinking, my God, I, I'm like zero and forty. How is this possible? <laughs> but um, but then obviously in the '90s things were really good. So it's it's funny. I have a when people talk about pitching, all I think is, well, I, I had great pitchers for ten years in Atlanta, and I got one ring to show for it. So you know, I I I. I I'll, I'll take Buck and, and some good bats, and, and we'll take our chances. I'm fine. Nice yeah. deal. Well, Steve, um, could you kind of just take us through sort of a day in the life of Steve Gorman as a radio host? Like sort of, you know, what's the prep like? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you guys collaborate before you, you know, before the broadcast? Just, just um, Yeah, it's real simple. I, I, get up, I get up at like 6 because my kids got to, you know, we get the kids up and ready for school, so it's an early start. And I – once they leave the house, I just cruise and look and see what's going on. I mean, I've already checked headlines and scores and all that stuff. 
But uh, for the most part, between like 6 and 12, all I'm doing is very peripherally keeping up with what's going on. I don't, my show's not on until 5 Central, where I live in Nashville. So, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's not a pressing thing for me to figure out what's going on first thing in the morning. But I always just make sure if, there, you know, there's nothing, you know, huge and unexpected. And, you know, like, like to me, it's like I got to make sure that an all-NBA, all-star power forward didn't punch a member of his training staff overnight you know something like that Blake so so like for today an example so like I mean I literally woke up I looked at my Twitter feed and I was like I guess we're talking about Blake Griffin I mean I knew nothing was going to top that story you can't make that as shit a bizarre up. thing <laughs> so you know that's a meteor that landed in our front yard so I'm like okay cool that's that's half my show today great um but you know, early afternoon my my co-host Jeffrey and my producer Brandon we, we'll get into the studio Anywhere from, depending on if, you know, if we're in the neighborhood, what's going on, noon to three. You know, everybody sort of drifts in if they got other stuff to do. Sure. But by three by three o'clock, the three of us are here, and we're just putting together eight segments of radio. It's a two-hour show. What are we going to open with? What's this? What's this? What's this? And we just talk it through, and we spend 15 minutes just setting a grid of what the show's going to be, and then we... And then if I'm going to write out a bunch of thoughts on specific things, I take an hour or so and just get all those threads out of my head so I don't forget them later. And then I usually forget them later because I never look at my notes. And then, you know, 5 o'clock hits and we just roll. Groovy. Good deal. Good deal. Well, keep up the good Um, work. Now, now if you had asked me that question two years ago when we started, I would have said, I wake up, I immediately start to panic. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine what we're going to talk about. And then I get to the studio five hours before the show starts and I exhaust myself uh, with research and too much information. And then the show sucks. It's got to come so, naturally now, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was great. The guy that hired us to Fox Sports Radio, he said in our, one of our first meetings, he goes, guys, let me just lay one thing on you. The show's going to suck for about a year <laughs> and then it's going to get good because because. I, I know it's going to be good, and I know radio takes a long time. So just don't, don't, don't beat yourselves up. And I thought myself, oh, I'll, in six weeks we'll be killing it. And yeah, he was right. I mean, I think it was about ten months in before we really found a groove where it was like, oh, we were actually doing what we thought we would do ten months ago. It took that long. Excellent. Right on. Yeah. So Steve, this is Jonathan. Um, and you know, mix the idea of mixing discussions of sports and music. Um, why, why does it work so well? Why is it so easy to, uh, to mix the two? I think it's, I, you know, I, I mean, this might be going a little too inside or whatever, but I always, you know, you know, I mean like the, the short version is, you know, every, every band I ever met, there's a couple of jocks in the band, you know, and every team I was ever on, a couple of the guys on the team were really into music too. And there's always that sort of, as there's the fan, people grow up loving records and teams. I mean, you, you know, it's always about what, what's your favorite band, who's your teams. And that's a, and to, to at least I'm 50 this year. I mean, to, to guys of my generation and, and certainly older and definitely for a few generations after, I mean, those were huge quantifiers. I mean, if you met somebody in the first five minutes, what are your teams, what are your bands? You knew you were either going to continue and get, become friends or this guy's the biggest jerk you ever met based on those two things. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but I think that, that there's a similarity in that you stay with those things. I mean, the, the, the first bands that you love, you know, you might turn you might turn 16 and think they're cheesy, but when you're 40, they sound good again. You know what I mean? You you hang oh, yeah. on to the, the music of your childhood and the teams of your childhood. Uh, you know, generally speaking, you, you stay with them. I mean, you, you love music at, at 8 and at 28 and at 68, and you love the same teams your whole life. I think there's just those kind of threads. Yeah. But a little beyond, but a little beyond that, I mean, as 
you know, like so many, so many musicians, so many great musicians were, were total jocks as kids. The, 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 the mindset is very similar. The idea that I'm going to grab a guitar and get into a club and play in front of a bunch of strangers, even though I know I'm not very good. That's not that dissimilar from the 10, 11, 12 year old kid. Who's like, I'm going to take over this basketball game because someone has to, it might as well be me. There's a, there's a, but but at but at nine ten eleven and twelve years old most people aren't saying here's a guitar son go go join a band what they're sure. saying is here's a ball go play on this team, um, but there's a there's a lot of commonality in just the headspace of people who go on to become guy, dudes in bands and dudes in teams I mean there's just as many cases of people who are in bands that have no concept of the team ideal but but for the most part there there really is a lot of similarity and. I was really surprised when I joined a band and started touring and meeting bands. I sort of assumed I'm the only guy that's really into sports I'm ever going to meet. And like I said, every band I've ever toured with or met on any level, there's at least one or two massive sports fans in every rock band I've ever been around. Cool. Absolutely. So, Steve, you mentioned a second ago, um, you know, you listening to somebody when you were a teenager and then putting them down and then revisiting them a few years later. Can you give me an example of like somebody that you put down for a band or an artist that you put down for quite a few years and then just picked up again yeah, recently I'll, I'll, and you did Well, it. I mean, at one time in my life, my two favorite bands were Earth, Wind & Fire and Devo. I mean, that was it. You know, like right. like eight, not, 13, 14, 15 years old. I mean, 13 and 14. Like seventh and eighth grade, I guess. I, I, I love those two bands. And then, you know, by the time I was a senior in high school, if you put on a record by either band, I would have gone like, oh my God, that is so, you know, four years ago. Um <laughs> And then, and then the more you get into records and the more you know about new bands and you constantly learn and you just, you just, my habit was just to drop band. If, if a new band came in, usually somebody got kicked to the back of the line or off the train in my head. And it was funny. Earth, Wind & Fire was one of those bands that for some reason I just decided in my head, I bet they were really, I guess they, they were cheesy. That wasn't all that great. And then, you know, 10 years later, I'm in a band, I'm playing all the time, I'm doing things and an Earth, Wind & Fire song comes on. I sit there and I go, Holy shit! I had no idea what was really going on with this band. Like, I, you know, <laughs> the, the fact that they were the, the, the fact that those were hits is it a is a miracle because the musicianship and the parts and the the, the feel of that band is unbelievable. And I, actually, Devo is the same way. I thought Devo. I went through a period of time where I'm sure I would have said Devo was just shtick. It was real nerdy, brainy college guys. You put on those records right now. Go ahead, start a band and try to play that shit. I, I defy anybody to, yeah. to to go sound and and recreate Devo. They were phenomenal. They were great players who very purposely, uh, you know, fashioned this whole sound that was unlike anything else. And not only the way they played together, but the way they played individually. If you watch the clip of them doing un, uncontrollable urge on the show Fridays, it's amazing. I, I mean, it's just flat out fantastic. They're great. Nice, right on. So I'm mean, speaking of like getting back into uh, uh, bands, you know, I think a lot, a lot of people uh, I've been listening to a lot of Bowie lately uh, yeah. over the last couple of weeks, just the whole catalog. Uh, I saw actually saw you open for Bowie in 04 as the drummer for the Stereophonics. What was that tour like? Right. Uh, it was awesome. What gig were you at? Kansas City at the Starlight Theater. Yeah, no, I remember that. Uh, you know who was at that gig? It was Kirk Hammett from Metallica. No shit. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, he was backstage. I hadn't seen him in forever. We did dates with Metallica in 91 in Europe, and I don't think I'd ever seen him since. And uh, and I walked up and said, hey, and he was like, hey, I remember you, dude. And I was like, I remember you, dude. 
<laughs> and, uh, and and we had a big Bo- isn't Bowie great moment. Um, but yeah, that that I that tour was phenomenal for me because I was I always liked Bowie, but I never had a Bowie I never had a Bowie phase. I never had a thing where like that was my guy, even for a month. You know, I, and it was I think it was because he was so omnipresent. I had so many friends that were into him. I never felt like I had to buy a single album. They were that music was all around me, and so I looked in uh, when that tour came up. I was looking forward to it, but not like, it's funny. I, I, I clearly had some um, subconscious expectation of this probably won't be that great. Cause I remember the first night of the tour watching him and being blown away. Like, Holy shit. Wh- yeah. What is this? Um, I, I, I couldn't, be- I couldn't even like, I still can't, I couldn't get the words out to say, how amazed I was. And then I'm feeling stupid. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. I'm amazed that Bowie's great. What the fuck's wrong with me? Like how stupid <laughs> is this? And so, and that whole month was like that. I watched, I watched his set every single night and that's, that's really rare. I mean, for any, even if you, you know, just the, 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 the nature of touring, a lot of times you got to go somewhere, you got friends in, you got things come up. You don't actually sit through the headliner set every night. If you're in the, in the opening band, I watched as much of his set every night as I could. I saw, at least the the majority of every show that whole month. And the most amazing takeaway for me was that he was actually just the greatest guy. He was so completely not um, the iconic, ethereal David Bowie you would expect to meet. He was just a dude, you know, and I, I think I posted after he died, he was just a lad. That's what I always said. Oh, he's a lad. He's one of us. He's just a guy hanging out talking about shit. He was so down to earth. And so real. I mean, not not down to earth like in a. I, I mean, he was just very genuine. Everything that came out of him, there was no pretense. And he knew he was David Bowie. He's not pretending to be anything other than he is. But he could have a conversation with absolutely anybody. He was the kind of guy like, if 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 he saw me, if if he saw anybody. But in my case, there were several times when I'd be in the hallway after our set, and I'd be with a friend or a family member talking, catching up, and he would walk by and he would see you talking to somebody and he would just stop. And not in a way of like, oh, I'm going to give you the thrill of your life to meet me. It was more, it was just simply, I'm nine times out of 10, this makes someone's night. So of course I'll talk to your friend. Oh, I mean, wow. he would come in in a way that was not at all. It was yeah. just, he'd, he'd come over and go, hey, he'd say, hey, Steve, how, how was it tonight? Good. And he'd go, hello, I'm David. And the person would go, holy shit, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. But he would just put everyone at ease, yeah. and he just he just handled everything with with such a, 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 a. It's weird to say, but he was just the most graceful guy to be around. He was awesome. Oh, yeah. You could tell in his live performances, he would share the stage with his backup singers and his, his oh, dancers. absolutely, man. He, he would want them even with him on the stage. He would want no, the spotlight on them. He was all go team about everything. And I yeah. tell you, man, I mean, the, the amazing thing, the second night of that tour, we were in Miami and right as our set ended, I think we did like 45 minutes a night, right as our last downbeat, boom, thank you, stereophonics. I walk around to the front of the kit. The five of us are standing at the front of the stage, wave. We turn and as we walk off, a local union guy from the venue in Miami who'd climbed up to the top of the lighting rig fell. Oh, fuck. And he, oh, wow. It was like, and it was a really tall, arched ceiling. It was like 60 feet 
This guy didn't rope himself in, and he fell, and he landed dead center of the stage, right where the right where our singer had been standing for forty five minutes. This guy fell and hit, and was he was killed instantly. I mean, he just uh, it's it was like a Wes Craven film. He exploded. It was a a true true horror scene, right? And we were just off the stage, but we just heard the noise. I thought the PA collapsed. I thought something like that happened, and we turned back and just could immediately surmise, oh, something awful just happened. And the audience, just 3,000, 4,000 people saw it. Like, it was a horrible scene, right? Yeah. We go backstage. Everyone in the building's freaking out. And, and, and Bowie, when he found out what happened, he was just, of course, rattled like anybody. And it was the second night of the tour. We really hadn't met him and spent time with him. And, we, and he called everybody from his band and said, hey, guys, come down here. We all went to his dressing room. And we just sat around for a couple hours and just talked and just sat there and freaked out together. And then he left and he kept, he, he brought in several bottles of scotch and opened them and said, fuck it, we're having a drink tonight. This is the worst thing that's ever happened at a show that I can remember. But after a while, he left and he went out and he had his tour manager. He said, where, where are all the local guys? Like the local union loaders that, that one of their coworkers had died. He went and, and spoke with every single union person in the hall to just say, I'm so sorry you lost your friend. This is tragic. We're going to do anything we can to help. And like he became, you know, and everybody's like, I mean, a local union guy sitting here talking to David Bowie after this. And he was, sure. oh, yeah, he was just cool. there for everybody. And it was just such a genuine, phenomenal thing to observe. And he wasn't, you know, and again, it's like, it's, I, I can't say, you know, not too many people in his position would go do that. Not too many people would even think to do that. And a lot of people would go, wait, those guys, that's their world. I'd be intruding. He just understood how to navigate that, even a situation like that in a way that, that made everybody feel just a little better for a second, you know? And it was, it was an amazing thing to watch. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, speaking of, you know, Union guys and stagehands. Levi, uh, one of our co-hosts here, actually is is uh, works a bunch of shows in the Boulder, Denver area. So uh-huh. um, yeah, so we've, yeah, we've got one among champ. us. Yeah, yeah. That, that's awful, man. I I can't imagine that happening. Um, just awful. There, I, I, that, there's never been a, I've never been at a gig where anything even close to that, as far as no. just the shifting and the, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. that just doesn't happen. And no. and it was a. Uh, the whole thing was 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, that, yeah. He sounds like he handled it with with grace for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you a question, Steve. Um, a lot of hype in the the news right now, music wise, about Guns and Roses reuniting. Is there any any bone in Steve Gorman's body that cares about Guns and Roses reuniting? Um, no. I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I liked Appetite for Destruction when it came out because, yeah. you know, I, I laughed at them for a year because I was like, Who, what band has names like this? I mean, four of the five guys had these goofy nicknames. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but after a while, suddenly you start listening. I mean, I just thought it was another band. I was like, they're like Poison or, or LA Guns or they're just uh-huh. another one of these bands. That, and, and then, you know, you hear it enough and you start to realize, oh, no, this is, this is different. It's not stupid hard rock it's 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 kind of I, I, you know it wasn't metal i mean i first yeah. just thought oh it's like metal and then i realized no that's actually like these guys you could tell they were into old aerosmith records and you could tell they had heard like the stooges and different you know all of a sudden things started connecting for me i was like no this is kind of cool i shouldn't be such a 
I shouldn't be looking down my nose at him. And then I, you know, I think that's a great record. And yeah. uh, we talked about it a little bit on the show today. Like we came back from a break and it's so easy kicked in. And I was like, man, if that, if that came out today, you'd be like, thank God somebody remembers how to play a hard rock song like that, you know? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but, but at the same time, that's it for me. I mean, I like that record and, yeah. uh, it, it certainly speaks to how huge that band was that, you know, 20, whatever, almost 30 years after that record's release, it's a big deal that they're going to go play a handful of shows together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I wish Izzy was there, but um, that, uh, that's... Yeah, he's, he's kind of the guy. He he was definitely a, a cool thing of it. I I, I, I did some... I, I know Slash is the only guy in the band I really ever have ever known at all. I I played with him a bunch in 2002 and three when I was living in L.A., just jamming, and he's, he's a phenomenal player. I mean, he is literally like a... That guy's a hurricane. He's a force of nature on that guitar. And and he's, if you walk into a room and he's playing and there's no lights on, it's like it takes about half a second to go. Oh, that's Slash. You know, he's yeah. he just plays. He plays like Slash. It's it's pretty. It's really something. I think I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Steve, also on topic of you know, we lost another legend. We mentioned Bowie earlier, but Glenn Fry passed away a little over a week ago. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the one of the out one of the other conversations that kind of emerge from Glenn's passing is, you know, why are the Eagles so divisive? You know, I mean, I, I have friends that just... Because they're so big. It's that yeah. it's real simple. They're just too fucking big to make sense of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, look, I, I love Graham Parsons, and Graham Parsons is the first guy I got into that, that liked country music, and I never listened to country music until I was a Graham Parsons fan. Yeah, but the Eagles wrote, but 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 the Eagles wrote better songs. I'm sorry, Graham, Graham Parsons was oh, yeah. on his way to he was on his way to being a great songwriter. But yeah. his songs, if you take a bunch of Eagles songs and take a bunch of Graham Parsons songs and have a bunch of other artists cover them, there's going to be no question who has the better batch of tunes, who is writing better tunes. And you know when someone's writing the best songs and and performing the best and their harmonies are. They they sounded better live than Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I mean, like people just hate to give them the props they did, they got because they're so big. I, I was I did um um what's this uh, Colin Cowherd last week for a bit yeah. when the day after Glenn Fry died, and we were talking about it. And it just kind of I mean, it's uh, if you think about it like this, I don't care that they've sold 120 million records. I mean, whatever. So you know, a lot of crap music has sold a lot of records. But they sold 120 million records, and the next American band on the list is half that. Wow. Not not 75 or 90 or 100. It's 120, and then it's 60. I mean, they're just (laughs) fucking huge. You know what I mean? And and plus, the timing, too. They they went away in 1980, and that's when classic rock became a format. And they, yeah. so they never, they never went away. Like they, they took over never, FM radio even after they broke up, you know? especially after they broke up, they yeah. never, ever, ever, ever went away. And, and you know, it's, and it's like, it's funny that, view of them. Yeah. sure, sure. The, yeah. I mean, imagine if the Bee Gees had, ne- imagine if the Saturday night fever era Bee Gees had never gone away. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, there'd be some fucking Bee Gees hatred out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> What if ABBA? What if ABBA never uh, went away? You know. <laughs> yeah, they kind of created the modern reunion tour too. You know, I mean, when they came back sure in '94, I think they they paved 
they paved the way for other classic rock acts to get back together and have these really lucrative tours, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no one, no one ever thought, I mean, yeah, uh, there's no question. I mean, who, who ever thought a rock band would play gigs when they were in their fucking fifties? You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. back in the day, but you know, the, the Beatles broke up, but you know, the, that was eight years as a recording band, seven years done. I mean, that's sort of the template. And then the stones and the, and, they, the Stones never stopped, really. And then, you know, like to think that bands, like when U2 started in 79, nobody would have thought. I mean, I remember when Octung Baby came out in 1991. They were just over a decade into being a band people knew about. And it was like, oh, my God, they still have it. Yeah. You know? And I mean, and Octung Baby, to me at that age, you know, I was, what, 25, 26, and I'd been into U2 since I was 14. And I was like, I can't believe they're still doing this. You know, it's it's still it's still not something you expect Fast someone to do for forty years. years later. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of entering uncharted territory, you know, with people getting this age. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Black Sabbath was in Chicago three nights ago, and right. you know, <laughs> I, I who would have thought that as well. Um, but anyway, um, for more music, it's a little bit closer to Steve. Um, what's next for Trigger Hippie? You know, is it, is it kind of difficult to coalesce when the band is, you know, kind of, I, I assume people live in different places or is everybody kind of based in Nashville? No, we're, we're Jones in New York. Um, and the rest of us are here. We're, we're making a second record right now. We're, That's we're just cool. getting it. We, we have all the tunes together and we've, uh, we're just putting the steps together. I mean, we're not in the studio making the record. We've been, we've done all the demos. We've got the songs and we're just figuring out schedules right now. And it's, it's it's uh you know by design it's not a full-time band it will if it becomes a full-time band that's going to be great but we're not forcing it down our own throats before we go force it down someone else's throats i mean we've from from the beginning of this thing now which is like five years of doing stuff together it was always um let's just let's just pick our moments and when we're together we're going to give this thing everything we have and we're going to have a great time and we'll take it as far as we possibly can but you know everybody's got a family everybody's got other things they do it's right. you know if if everybody was 22 years old we'd never come off the road we'd be out playing 250 shows a year mm-hmm. but that's not the that's not the case it's it's you know very much by design this is the pace we want to work at cool. okay and and Jackie's no longer involved right that's correct okay all right um well, we love the record man really really outstanding work so uh yeah, yeah thanks keep keep it up man um oh yeah Nick, yeah. Nick, the bass player is the, uh, it's funny. He, I mean, he's the principal songwriter. Like he's the guy who, um, for, it's always been, he and I were playing together in Nashville for years and he would just play me songs he wrote. And I was like, dude, we're starting a band. Uh, this is, that's all, this, this is just too good. You know? So he's, it's, 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 uh, we, we will never run out of songs. He's got, you know, 25 years of songs he's never done anything with any, still constantly right so it's just a matter of uh of us taking the time to get them all recorded excellent well we look forward to it man hey steve you were also involved in uh, that last warren zevon record weren't you uh yeah i did one track i did uh knocking on heaven's door yeah and so like jim keltner i thought played drums on the whole thing but it turns out you ended up playing on on that track um why, how'd they choose you instead of jim keltner for that track um it well it was um it was totally unexpected on everybody's part. What was, I was doing, uh, I was doing a couple sessions for Billy Bob Thornton. He was making a record okay. 
and and he had a studio. He bought his house from Slash, and so there was a studio in it. And Slash's engineer who built the studio was still working with Billy Bob there, and and that guy had worked with the Black Crows on a record we made that never came out called Tall. So we were still, we had been friends ever since this guy, Jim Mitchell and Jim called me when I moved to LA and he said, Oh, I'm working with Billy Bob. We're going to go in the studio. Would you want to come and play some tracks? And I said, sure. So I went over for a few days. It was during the 2002 world series giants angels. And, and so for that week, it was great. I'd go to Billy Bob's house in Beverly Hills. It was not a shitty house. And, (laughs) And he and I would watch the baseball game together, and then when the game ended, we'd go downstairs and, and just track tunes with his band. And the last night that I was ever that I was there, we we were tracking, and it was like midnight, and we'd finished. And I I don't remember how many songs I did. It was just all told four or five, I think. And it was like midnight. And we're like wrapping up, and the door opens, and Warren Zevon walks in. <laughs> wow! And, and he and he and Billy Bob were were buddies from for for years. And I, I mean, I just like fell out of my chair. I'm a giant Zevon fan, and he had announced already, like six months earlier, that he was terminally ill. And I immediately had this thought of, "That's Warren Zevon, and he's dying." I mean, it was really bittersweet instantly wow. to meet him, and then to know that he was terminally ill. And he came in and he sat down, and everyone's just sort of circled around him, and and we're all, you know, nice to meet you. What's going on? What's happening? And Billy had invited him over, but didn't know if he was going to turn up or not. And and Warren goes, well, I, I uh, he goes, I went to see Dylan last night, and, and I get, I don't remember where Bob had played, but he'd gone to see him in L.A. And he goes, yeah. He goes, shit, man, you know you're dying when Bob Dylan starts doing your songs, and. And we're all laughing, and he goes, he goes, he goes. He did, he did four of my fucking songs. I mean, fuck. He goes, I mean, I'm really dying. You know, he was really funny, and God bless him. And and everything was very gallows humor. I mean, he was just constantly. And I remember he said they got me on this new pill called Zofram or something like that. And I and I I remember I said. It's called off-ramp? God damn, that's morbid. And he thought that was hilarious. Like, he really, you know. So right away, like, I was cool because I was laughing with him about the fact he was going to die, as bizarre as that sounds. But but that was him, you know. That was his thing. And so he was talking about Dylan, and he goes, I mean, I didn't recognize the songs. He's mumbling, and my, you know, my son goes, oh, Dad, that's this one. That's this one. But I didn't know. But anyway, it was nice. And he goes, but I was thinking, since this is my last record, he had already done, like, all the other tracks for the record. And he goes, I think I should do a Dylan tune. And one of the guys in the room goes, oh, I guess it's got to be knocking on Heaven's Door. And everybody laughed. And he goes, well, actually, yeah, I think that's the one to do. Wow. And there was, like, this pause, literally. And everyone just stood up and walked into the room, like, to go to our instruments. Like, okay, it was this instinctive, before anyone changes their mind, let's go do this right fucking now. And everybody went in. And I remember Tommy Shaw was there, the guy from Styx, oh, yeah, of all people, nice. was on it. <laughs> and John Waite, the singer from the Babies. And yeah, then, right. oh, yeah. Every, every time you I know, heard. it was just like yeah. all these disparate guys uh, hanging out. And, <laughs> and, and, a, and a few other guys that you wouldn't know, but we, we, we walked in and it was like, okay, what's the intro? And, and, and it was like, okay, start verse. It's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus out, right? Is that cool for everybody? And everybody goes, yeah. And, we played it once. I mean, the, the, we, we, wow. I counted it in and it started and we played that song one time and Warren sang it live 
and 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 he was you know if you listen to it i mean he really was you know he was having trouble keeping a, a full his full breath yeah. and and he's sitting in the booth and where where i was sitting i could see him through the glass and i watched him sing that song and like hearing his voice in my headphones was i mean i i have goosebumps right now talking about it it's unbelievable and 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 towards the end as it's fading out he's like he was kind of screaming he kept going open up the gates open the gates for me and he was singing like that and and wheezing and and he was like sweating he was really throwing everything he had at it and that we played it forever just it's a fade out on the record yeah. but it probably went for four more minutes and wow. and when it ended i mean i was just sitting there like i wasn't crying but i easily could have you know what i mean it was it wasn't yeah. appropriate in the moment but i remember sitting there thinking it was just one of the few moments in life where as something's happening you're going this is this is indescribable and and and, un, and and it's inconceivable that this is happening and then we listened back once and he goes well why don't you guys go sing some backups and and let's get out of here and then we all went in and sang the backup track once and got a rough mix and burned some cds so everybody could take it home with them and and that was it it was like three in the morning and i was driving home listening to it going what the fuck just happened yeah wow that's surreal it's unbelievable yeah. yeah oh yeah well I, i'm gonna throw a quick baseball question in um do you think the south could support another another baseball team like nashville new orleans or charlotte I don't think Nashville could, although a lot of people in this town would disagree with me. Um, they got a triple-A team, right? Yeah, yeah, the Nashville Sounds. And they got a new stadium. It just had its first year, which is cool. And it's a boom town like crazy. I mean, Nashville's just absolutely on fire. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, I just, I don't, it, it's, it's funny. I, it's never even, I've never thought about it for more than five seconds because my, I just always have an immediate no. That's just too much. There's not, there's not 81 games worth of people here. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and, and I could be wrong. New Orleans, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think anyone. I don't think they need more teams. I mean, myself. I'm. I think every league in the country. I think every sports league in America should contract a few. Let's get rid of some of these guys. Tampa Bay yeah. can go definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if a team is thinking of moving or if, if Major League Baseball is going to expand at all. I know Nashville is going to make a play for it because it's just what Nashville does these days. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it would uh, – I just, I just can't imagine people staying with a team. That, that's, an awful lot of, that's an awful lot of people to get onto a new thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah football is one thing. That's only eight games a year. Baseball, yeah, eighty-one. Yeah, well, and it, I mean, and in, 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 in Tennessee, football is—it's football, Tennessee. I mean, that—that that, that, this is—it's funny. I'm—I'm I'm an hour from the state line of Kentucky, and if you go to Kentucky and take the the ten best high school football teams in the state of Kentucky and bring them down here, they're going to get absolutely destroyed by the best ten teams in Tennessee. And then conversely, basketball—you just cross that state line, and it's like a whole different planet for those two sports. Kentucky's all about hoops, and Tennessee's all about football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of state lines, I live right here on the, the state line of in Kansas City, and uh, no, we're known for our barbecue here. I got one of the greatest joints just down the street. Uh, you've you've probably ate it, eaten at a few uh, joints across uh, the U.S. Uh, who's got the best I, barbecue? I, I certainly have. I've had a lot of barbecue. In fact, uh, my 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 buddy Chris Porter, he's a comedian. Do you guys know him? Who he is? I know the name. 
Yeah, he's from Can- he's well, he's from Kansas City. Okay, and his dad his dad used to bring out a ton of stuff when the when the crows would play there. I don't know the name of his restaurant, but he's got a place in Kansas City, and he he makes great. He makes great shit, but I've never been to his restaurant, so I couldn't tell. I was, I was, I thought I was about to have a recommendation, and I just realized I have no idea what the place is called. <laughs> so, well, Steve, are you more of a Memphis barbecue, Texas barbecue, yeah. Kansas City barbecue? What's, no, what's I, I'm, I'm like, I, I like, I like. No, I'm, I'm down with, uh, like, the, the like pulled pork type of barbecue, like North Carolina style. You know, yeah. like the. That that's my the stuff I first go to, but I I like all of it. I mean, everyone's like, "What do you prefer?" I'm like, "Who? Wh- I don't care. I go everywhere. I eat whatever <laughs> they got." It's like, all kind of different in a little in every region. Yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. I love. I, but I I like every. I I'm I'm equal opportunity. If it's good barbecue, it's good barbecue. I don't care if it's if it's if it's Texas or Kansas City. I, you know, I, I get that it's regional pride, but I don't give a shit. It's all good yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Good deal. Absolutely. Um, well, Steve, you know, our, our last question for you here, man, we've asked this of some other guests that we've had on the show. So Steve Gorman's first big league at bat. What's your walk-up song? Um, I used to ask that to all my guests on, <laughs> when it was a local show. That was my that was one of my questions. <laughs> Jeez, I, I swear I didn't uh, that. <laughs> anyway. No, I did, but, I, but that's funny because you say that, I'm like, shit, I don't know what the answer is. I do know this. <laughs> Well, last year, uh, Jeffrey, my, my cousin, my co-host, and I played in a charity softball event here in Nashville, and I played Bring It On Home, Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice. Makes sense. Gets yeah. people going. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my cousin picked Morning Is Broken by Cat Stevens because <laughs> he said he wants to feel calm and centered when he takes the first pitch. And, and of course, he went three for three with, like, two jacks and a triple. So, you know, what do I know? Excellent. But when, when when you're at, when you're at a charity softball event and 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 they introduce a guy and you hear Cat Stevens come over the PA, it's it's the the, the reaction from the crowd's pretty priceless. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> right on. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll 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 stick with that. Uh, what did I say? Yeah, Zeppelin, bring, bring it on home. Zeppelin, bring it on home. Good nice. deal. Um, well, excellent. Well, uh, to remind everybody, you can catch Steve on Steve Gorman Sports on Fox Radio, Fox Sports Radio and FoxSportsRadio.com. And you can follow Steve on Twitter and Instagram at SGS Fox. So, Steve, thank you so much for talking to us, man. We really appreciate this and, and keep up the great work. And I, I think I speak for all three of us here, and we weren't certainly going to belabor this tonight as well, but all three of us grew up, you know, huge Crows fans. So thank you for all your contributions there, man. Yeah, right on, man. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, what we did that uh, we were just fucking around having fun. I'm glad it worked for you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we it meant a lot to us. So, so thank no, you so no much. No one, no one was ever more surprised than we were that it worked. Trust me. <laughs> right on. Right on. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you, Thanks, Steve. Steve. Have a good night. Okay. Take it easy, buddy. See you. Bye-bye. Later. I'd like to thank Steve Gorman for that wonderful interview. Everybody should check out Steve's show, Steve Gorman Sports, on Fox radio.foxsports.foxsportsradio.com uh, foxsportsradio.com and also you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram that's us at rock in chew that's in as in napalm death and natalie merchant a double bill i'd love to see and uh please check us out on facebook as well like us tell all your friends and you can explore everything in the rock and roll shinsu chew universe at rockchew.com where you can find 
previous episodes, music recommendations, and all kinds of cool stuff about baseball and rock and roll. And, and you time, can sign up for our uh, newsletter that we're going to be putting out. And we're working on a newsletter, so, in for newsletter. So, so you can give us your email, and we won't spam you or anything. Absolutely not. So, yeah, lots of good stuff uh, coming down the pipe with rock and roll Shinsu Chu. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you later. Peace. Peace.